You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is the 21st day of September. Matt Miguez here on Crunch Time, right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, my producer and co-host. And a, a guy that I'm struggling to figure out. It's Mr. James Mesh. Why are you struggling? Because you're an interesting cat. I mean, well, there's no doubt about that, but what about me? You, you just, you got a lot going on, man. I got- you got a lot going on. Why you say that? What well, what about it? I mean, it's all good. Yeah, you, but yeah, but pinpoint. You can't just beat around the bush. You like A&W root beer. It's good. It's not. It's good. It's not. <laughs> I like Barks, but I think A&W's better. Barks has bite, dude. Barks is good. You know when it's when it's ice cold and you take it out of the fridge and you you take that first sip and it burns your throat? Beautiful. It's incredible. Still a really good taste when you do the same thing with A&W. Now, I will say this for for you, you non-beer drinkers. A&W and rum chata? Two. It's like an alcoholic root beer float. Just letting you all know. <laughs> it's good. Anyways, we've got a fantastic Wednesday edition of Crunch Time lined up for you at... 420, James and I are going to give you our top five best alternate college football uniforms of all time. There's a lot of interesting ones out there. Oh, this was hard. It was hard. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. At 5 o'clock, J.J. Buck will join us to talk the University of New Mexico before they play the Tigers on Saturday. And then at 5.30... It is a Wednesday, so we're going to do Who Dat Wednesday with our guy, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. However, no guest until 5 o'clock, so the first hour, hotline is wide open, 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So, James, we, we talked about it yesterday. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Cole Beasley. Yeah. Well, apparently, Julian Edelman, not happy about that. Oh, that's that's that honestly is what shocked me because it feels like, well, you recruited Gronk to go play with you in Tampa, Tom. Yeah. But what about Julian? Julian said that he didn't get a phone call to join Tampa. And he doesn't seem too happy about it. Which, so he was asked on Inside the NFL, he was asked about the Beasley signing and the potential of him heading down to Florida. And he said, I don't want to talk about this. They signed Cole Beasley. I never got a phone call. So, I don't don't blame him for being upset. Is he salty? Oh, I would be too. I think he's salty. 
I don't get to play with my boy. I had the even though I had the opportunity to, and they just never gave me a call that I would have picked up in a heartbeat. And you know, my my question, yeah. my next question was gonna be how good could Julian Edelman be, but at the same time, how good is Cole Beasley going to be? I think Cole Beasley's a solid receiver. Is he still though? He was, but is he still? That's the question. But I guess if you're only going to use him for a week until Mike Evans is back. He's also played more recently than Julian, so Right. I think he's more likely than going to more likely not going to be in a football shape. That's that's probably the 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 reason why it went down the way that it did. So we'll keep an eye on that because things could get interesting there. The other an, another topic of, of discussion that I wanted to get to today was the Saints injury report came out and there were eight players on it? Nine. Nine players on it? Nine of them with seven of them being offensive players. And they were all limited. Limited. Every single one of them. So the players on the injury report are as follows. Paulson Adebo, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramshack, Traquan Smith, Taysom Hill, Marcus May, Jameis Winston, Adam Prentice, and Deontay Hardy. Did and I tell you about Deontay? No. After after uh, last week's game? No. I When we were walking and we were done with all the interviews for players... I I got out the locker room and he was with like his dad, and I, I think his girlfriend, and I and he's I'm walking side by side with him. <laughs> I love Deontay, but I don't think he's five six. Do you think he's shorter? Yeah, I think he's shorter. <laughs> probably is. I think he's shorter than five six. He probably because I was. It also doesn't help that he was kind of slouching over, kind of like humpback of right. Notre Dame. And had his head down a little bit because obviously you're upset about the loss. But that that, that man, I I love Deontay. I love the heart and the fact that he's so good as a returner and he can do things on offense. But boy, that man is not big. Yeah, no, he's he's not. He's not big at all. Um, so we we touched. How about this? This is an interesting story that I saw that uh, our listeners might get a kick out of. So everybody's. Well, not everybody, but most people have been raving about the new show on Apple TV, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. The show with Jason Sudeikis takes over a, a soccer team, a soccer team, and you know, blah blah blah. Well, so apparently, EA Sports reached out to Apple, and they they struck they struck themselves a little deal, and now in FIFA 23, Ted Lasso and his team. AFC Richmond will be playable characters in the sh- in the game, including career mode, kickoff mode, online friendlies, and online seasons. I I like that idea. I'm glad I'm glad they did that. I'm not too sure how many people in this area are going to be hopped up on it because I don't know how many people are soccer slash football fans, but. I like the idea. That's pretty solid. I like that. And now you can even take Ted Lasso and choose him as a manager in career mode for any team. For any for any of your uh, your clubs. Correct. That is that's intri- that's pretty fun. 
I kind of like that idea. They, they might they might be getting me to get FIFA 23 this year. A lot of people are going to get FIFA just to play with Ted Lasso. That's what I'm saying. Like, like solely you, for that reason. You you might have convinced me with that one. It comes out on September 30th. So, in nine days. True. Mm. That's, in, that's intriguing. All yeah. right, so our poll question of the day. Referring back to what we were talking about earlier with me liking A&W and Matt preferring Barks. Those are the two options, but we also gave you other in case you want to go and give you give your take on it, which quite a few people have. Looking at Facebook, David Ackman, he went right away and he hit on Zatarain's root beer extract. Which, by the way, slaps. It look it. I, I it definitely. Slaps. I'm definitely gonna have to try it because I've tried quite a few root beers, but not all of them. And then Nick Fontenot comes in, Abita root beer. Yep, really good choice. Mis- Abita's cream soda is also really good too. Yeah, I like I like that one. I prefer A and W cream soda though. Oh my god. Craig Wall, the Vermilion Parish game of the week, play by play, says Barks, the legend, the legend himself, Mister Craig Wall. Also a Como alum. Ooh, Ghost Bartons. Yes, sir. Ghost Bartons. Even though we're <laughs> not looking too hot. No. But hey, yeah, no. it's forever Ghost Bartons out there. Mr. C-Dub, Chuck Wood, said Dad's root beer. Dad's is solid. If you've never had it, it's pretty good. I was Like I said, I've tried quite a few of these root beers, but a few that I need to try is this, the vanilla, is the root beer extract, Dad's. And then going to Twitter, Cajuns underscore Ragin said Frosty. Yeah. So Dads and Frosty, you can probably find both of those. You ever been to World Market on Ambassador? Uh, yes. You could probably find both of them there. Well, he said you could find it at Super One. Oh, Super One might have it, yeah. He Cajun Ragin said that you could find Frosty at Super One. It's a four-pack. Dads is at World Market. Okay. You can find it there. Um... So so far, fifty eight percent said Barks, twenty nine percent said A and W, and then we've had a couple of comments again for Frosty, and then Brad Newell says Barks by a light year. That's my guy. Barks is like, so Barks is way up here, in like the upper stratosphere. A and W's chilling, like in the troposphere. Look at look at me giving you science lessons. What are you a meteorologist? And, and then everybody else is just chilling on Earth. Like at least you at least you admit that A and W is actually kind of good. A and W second, it's good. Like if I'm if I'm in the mood for a root beer and A and W is like the only option, like I'll drink it. What about mug? See that I uh, it's slightly under A and W. See, I Still was gonna not say, great. I was gonna say that's probably like a a fourth option, but it's it's a good fourth option. Right. It's right. It almost feels like it's kind of like a, a budget yeah, root beer. It, it's a good fourth option because you got Barks, you got A and W. I'll put a beat a third, mug, yeah. and then everything else. And then it's like got everything. I want to I want to try Frosty and Dad's though. Yeah. I, I guess see. Again, I guess see what's up with that. Neither one of them are bad. They're good root beers, but they're they're not touching. You know the upper echelon. What about what about with cream soda? Barks. You're going Barks. You're oh, just a, dude. You're just a oh, Barks dude. guy. Big Barks guy. Uh, Barks cream soda. 
Abita's next and then A and W third. No, A and W first. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. Can't do it. I've noticed you're a Barks guy. I'm just an A and W guy. That's okay. That's okay. Everybody can have an opinion even when it's wrong. <laughs> John you can't Paul, even you can't even say it with a straight face. John Paul says IBC is awesome. Dude, IBC, the cream soda for that one. IBC cream soda is good. Why A&W are we having a soda did. conversation? <laughs> you got me. You got oh, me going. Man. So I, I IBC is good. I'll I'll give that. Um the root beer is okay. There was a different soda that IBC did. Didn't they do uh, like a cherry coke? No, but like there was a different one where it was. Uh, my friend had showed me. He, I think he was the one who. I think he introduced me to cream soda with the IBC. Hmm. I think that's what that was. He brought a different one that was also solid, but that cream soda. I had I completely forgot. I think I might have to put IBC number one and then put A and W number two. Oh man, IBC was so good. Oh man. But let's so, move on. Let's move on from yeah. The, let's the let's soda. get away from soda. Let's get away. Um, Aaron Judge hit home run number sixty last night, which means he is one away from tying Roger Maris. Tonight, Aaron Judge will take the plate against the Pittsburgh Pirates once again. Which here's the thing: the Yankees came back and won last night, nine to eight. But they had to do it on a walk-off grandy by Giancarlo Stanton. So here, here's here's my issue. It's it's the Yankees. If you want to talk about how good the Yankees are, and you know all this stuff, the Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball. It took you five runs in the bottom of the ninth to beat a team. You ready for this? They're 31 and a half games back. I was going to say in their division. I was going to say they're 55 and 93 right now. They're horrible. They are terrible. Took a it took a 5 run bottom of the ninth inning to win that game. A 5 run ninth. Cuz Judge was the first one and then they had the walk off. Right. And you had the walk off grand slam. Because I remember, look, I remember watching the 60th, and it was, they were down 8-4 at that point. So look, here's the thing. The Yankees are 89-58. and 58. That is 147 games. They have 15 games left. They have to win 11 of them to hit 100. 11 of them. The Los Angeles Dodgers... I think they get to 96. Hell, the Los Angeles Dodgers are already at 100. They're 103 and 45. God, that's disgusting, by the way. 103, and they are 51 and 19 at home. Oh, that's just good on a different level. That Dodgers Braves NLCS is going to be Chef's Kiss. Cannot wait to see that one. Did you just kiss the death of them? To where, to where the Braves and the Dodgers don't make it to the NLCS. Time is running out <laughs> for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. And when I say running out, like, today's the last day. 
So go to register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay Saturday, October 1st. And we'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. And the Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll take a timeout when we return. James and I will give you our top five college football uniforms of all time. If you have a thought on your favorite college football uniform, hit us up on the hotline 337-706-0111. We'll do that next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 422 on a Wednesday. Let's go to the hotline now. 337-706-0111. Mr. Jamie Green, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Mr. Miguez? Uh, absolutely beautiful, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm enjoying this uh, this topic of root beer. And uh, I got to say uh, that I have to agree with uh, Mr. Mesh. I, I got to go with A&W. And the people that are voting against it are probably the same ones who think a quarter pounder is bigger than a, a third pounder. <laughs> uh, you know, from back in the day when A&W uh, used to have those burgers out. But uh, I, I want to posit this to you. For cream soda, Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's some good stuff. The root beer, not so much. But that cream soda? Yeah, the root beer is not good. Ooh. But the cream soda is. So uh, I wanted to throw that out there. And nice, nicest jerseys I've ever seen in public or in, in person when UL went blackout. Black bottoms, black tops, black helmets. Mwah, chef's kiss. The Beautiful. One, the one with the big Fleur de Lee on it from like 2012? Yes. Yeah, yeah, those were cool. Those were cool. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate y'all taking my call and listening to me reminisce. I hope y'all have a great day. Appreciate you, Jamie. Yeah, those those were cool. Uh, I, I, was, I was never a huge fan of the giant oversized Fleur de Lee in the center um but on the back the team had like four mottos and it was like combat there there were four different words that was like their team motto and so depending on your position group your um your nameplate on the back of your jersey had that word in french I think the one I think the raging cages one that I like a lot of the all black was the one where you almost have like the where it says Cajuns, and it's kind of like oh, the like ones, holographic, where it's kind of got like the tire tracks at the top. The ones that were impossible to read from the press box. Yes. Those I know exactly which ones you're talking those about. Those are sick. The, uh, the shade of red on that jersey with the lights in Cajun Field, dude, you can't read it from the press box. I that's, bet. That's why, they got, that's why they got rid of them. You, you couldn't read it. Uh, you had no idea whose number was what. It was impossible. Um, that's why they don't wear that one anymore. I think the I think the big fleur de lis on the front was a nice idea in theory, right? 
but l just looking at it live and looking at photos of it, no, that, that, it feels like that one lacked creativity. Yeah, I mean it's okay. Uh, for for the first black jersey that the school had ever worn, it was pretty cool. And then they um, and then they put the number on the on the left shoulder on the left shoulder. Right. Now that's a little weird. And you see, people are knocking the the black jerseys that the Cajuns have now. I kind of like them. Could they be better? Yeah, I've heard some people say they kind of look like practice uniforms, which I get. Um, but it it's just simple. You got the you got the word mark in the center of the chest. The nameplate on the back says Louisiana. It's got a cool. It's it's a cool look. White number with red with the red trim. Yeah, the red bordering. Yeah, it's solid. I mean, it's basic. Um, didn't take a whole lot of of thought, but I mean, it looks good. But anyways, let's go through our top five college football alternate jerseys of all time. James, why don't you go first? At the number five spot for me, I'm going with the Northwestern uniform where it's it's gray, but then when you get on the shoulder pads and on the helmet, it's American, American flag. flag. I remember that I game. I love that one. I remember that, that game. That one's really good. You got a four. Oh, I thought we were going to go back and forth. Oh, I mean, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, my five... So it's a, it's a two-parter. They're both LSU jerseys. Okay. Uh, in 2016, they called it the Gridiron Gold. It was a mustard yellow colored jersey with a white helmet, and the white helmet had gold numbers on the side. Uh, there's a picture <laughs> on, on Google with Leonard Fournette wearing it. Yeah. In, in 2016. I didn't like those. Solid. I didn't with Great the with look. the white helmet and the purple Great gold, gold stripe going down the middle. I don't like that. That looks like a mustard piss yellow. And then the other like one, it. the other one in 2018. This was Joe Burrow's first year at LSU. They wore the purple helmets with the white jersey with the weird purple number. See, I like those, but the font of the numbers was the font of the number was weird, but the uniform as a whole was was solid, and the meaning behind it had something to do with. The, the Chinese bandits from, from way back in the day. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so for that reason alone, I, I, I threw that one in there at number five. That's um, Number four, 2016, Oregon, when they when they dressed up like a like a duck. Yeah. They wore the green jerseys, and then their socks and were, shoes were, were, orange. were orange. And then the pants were white. Yeah. The green. Those were... Uh, light light green jerseys and yeah, helmets. Those were those were sweet. I like those. For me, at number four, I had pretty much any of the military branch uniforms. Yeah, Air Force, Army, Navy. It's like whether you have the battleship on the helmet, or like kind of foreshadowing, looking at Army and Navy uniforms whenever they kind of get together. Love, love how love the creativity with those because those are kind of like right. one offs. See, we could do a we could do this segment. Just on the best Army versus Navy jerseys of yeah. all time, they they wear a new one every year because it's like it's too hard to pick between one of them. Right, they wear a new one every single season. Um, so who's your number three? At number three, I'm gonna go with ULM's camo uniform. Oh god, I love I love the idea god. of camo. Love it. So I, the only like, thing that I don't like is seeing like it's all the camo, and then you just have the ULM Warhawk. In red, just right here. If I feel like it'd be a lot better. Obviously, this might be a little biased, but seeing the Raging Cajuns logo or the the Fleur de Lis. So, like digital camo or like military camo, yeah, is cool. Hunting camo, 
on a football jersey. It's just weird. Well, if you're if you're covering the games, it's just weird. I don't know. I I like the idea. Um, my number three. Go back to the Notre Dame Shamrock jerseys. Those are good. The white jersey with the gold numbers. Yeah, the shamrock on the shoulder pads and on the gold helmet. And then oh, also on the, the, on the on where your hips on the were, pants. Yeah, or, or lower was, lower hips. Oh man, those are fantastic. Number two, like I said, any Army versus Navy jersey ever. Uh, they're all fantastic. It's kind of hard to pick one. Uh, so really, any of them of all time. For me at number two, I got the Florida Gator skin. Oh, those were horrible. I like those. Horrible. <laughs> I don't know. I I just like the way it oh, looks. Oh man. I mean, it, again, it's one of those things like like the UL. It's a cool concept. Poorly executed. Poorly executed. I mean, you you literally look like. You took a, a a literal you you took the hide off of a gator exactly, and and stuck it on a uniform exactly. I think what throws me off is maybe the orange, the orange, but then the helmet color. Like the helmet color is weird to me. That they they tried to make it the same color as the gator skin, but it doesn't look right. And and then the pants don't match the jersey. And there's just a lot, a lot wrong there. I, I'm not a fan. I just I like I like the detail of the jersey itself. I think you still had to do the blue and the orange with it. That way it was well, yeah. The Florida colors and you could actually read the numbers. But I I love I the concept put, of it looking like you literally just took the hide off a of gator and you put it on you. I would have put white numbers. That'd have been easier to read. But that's just me. All right, who's who's your number one? At number one. Any Oregon Duck uniform. Yeah. It's a different one every I mean, week, and they're all amazing. Whether you have like the all whites, the all grays, them going with black, uh, the the one that you had mentioned earlier with them actually dressing like a old school duck. Yep. I mean they're they're just all amazing, and it it's they're where Nike HQ is. So of course they're gonna get all the good stuff. Yeah, I mean Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike, is an Oregon grad, so. I read somewhere one time they have like 14,000 different uniform combinations. It's insane the amount of different combos they could come up with. Um, my favorite alternate jersey of all time is one that you're actually going to be able to see Saturday night. Ohio State's all black. They wear the black helmet the and then the Buckeye stickers are, are red. And then you've got the black jersey with the red stripes and the red numbers. It's it's so it's so simple, yet so flashy. When they play under the lights at the horseshoe, it's oh man, so good. And I also went above and beyond, and I pulled out four honorable mentions. Uh, Northwestern had an old school gothic jersey with like the gold script Northwestern on the chest. Fantastic. Uh, Tulane's baby blues. I mean, dude, that baby blue helmet with the wave logo is is absolutely incredible. Uh, Florida in 2019, they wore a blue helmet, white jersey, blue pants. That was a great look. And then the old Miss powder blues, which I uh, saw on social media that they could be busting those out this weekend. So 
great conversation there on the best alternate uniforms in college football. You know who else has some nice uniforms? The McNeese Cowboys. Right, James? Yeah, I like, I oh, like yeah. their uniforms. They're yeah. good. The, the The color scheme is just, you know, the, the blue and gold. Mm-hmm. It's classic. It's fancy. It's fancy. Anyways, tune in tonight for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, Line A Bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Hosted by the great Jim Gazzolo, the McNeese Coaches Show will be broadcasting live from the Maplewood Burgers on 4453 Nelson Road from 6 to 7 right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll bring you some audio from Cajuns head coach Michael Desermo, who met with the media on Monday after the Cajuns lost to Rice on Saturday. We'll talk about that and more right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it is the 21st day of September. Did you remember? Aha, see what I did there? Welcome back to Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Coming at you 40 minutes after the hour on your Wednesday. We're going to hear from Cajuns head coach Michael Desermo, who spoke with the media on Monday following the Cajuns' 33-21 defeat at the hands of the Rice Owls. And Des opened his press conference discussing their loss to Rice. You know, certainly um, in, 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 in some territory we hadn't been in in a while, you know, um, it's a good thing. Our, our kids, you know, went out there on Saturday, and, and truthfully, you know, it just wasn't our best effort, and, and it stings anytime you lose. It always hurts, especially as hard as these guys work. You know, I see it day in and day out, and I see how much it means to them. You know, certainly, and I talked to him about this, hopefully, maybe now we can just relax and play, and, and, and this thing's over with, and we can move forward a little bit and just worry about playing the next game. Um, you know, this 2022 team, every team's different. And for these guys, you know, the most important thing is the next game for us. It always has been. It always will be. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, sometimes I think they try too hard, you know, and I think sometimes, I told them this yesterday, we have more fun at practice than we do in the game, it looks like. And that's not how it's supposed to be, you know. I mean, practice practice is hard, you know. It's, it's, it's supposed to be the game is the reward. So, you know, hopefully from this point forward, we can just go out there and just go relax and cut it loose instead of trying to be perfect all the time. Our reaction to this game and our response is going to be what dictates kind of the, the momentum going forward here. With the loss, the Cajuns end their 15-game winning streak, which was the longest active streak in America. That's what Des was alluding to about the you know playing free and and not having to worry about the 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 pressure that's on you. James, did you feel like maybe the winning streak was was going to get to the Cajuns eventually? I had a feeling it was coming soon. It, it made a lot of sense that it would be the first road game for Des because it was like 
you're so used to playing at home or yep. playing nearby because you played in the Caesar Superdome for your bowl game for the New Orleans Bowl. So you going out of state and going to unfamiliar territory at Rice, it, it kind of felt like that was a, a spell for disaster. I'd still pick them to win. I thought it was going to be a close game, and maybe Cajuns were able to eke it out, but then the following week and this week, maybe they would lose to ULM since the, they've won the last four matchups. But I, I feel like with this loss that happened last Saturday, it's a sigh of relief. It, you, you had talked about it before. I think that like coach had said, you you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have that ever building pressure of, yep. oh God, we have to get to sixteen. Oh God, we have to get to seventeen. Now now that it's gone, just go play. Just go play and have fun. Yep, exactly. And you know the the, the issue that the Cajuns ran into against Rice is that the the second you would have a big play, you felt like you had to make it one yourself. You had to make one yourself, right? And. The, what what ended up happening is that the Cajuns could never quite get a grasp of the momentum, uh, which is something that that Des touched on in the press conference. The Cajuns have to do a better job of taking taking the momentum during games. The negative, I think, is that we're just so comfortable, kind of in that setting where it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll hang around and then we'll make a play in the end on defense. We'll get a drive going. We'll score. We'll win the game. And you know, you, you've got to learn as a team, as a unit. There are always critical plays in the game that are momentum swings and that are shifts in the game. And in Eastern Michigan, felt like we found it, we captured it, ran with it. And against Rice, we didn't. Now, some of it's to their credit, right? You know, they went back and they went, put a really good drive together and converted on some tough downs and, and scored again. Uh, but for us, I think offensively early on, you've got to see that momentum, you've got to capture it, and then you don't let it get down to a one possession game. Talked about the negative, again, having to do a better job of capturing the momentum. But in every loss, there's always positives to take away. You know, I think it's a positive and a negative, And I don't know if it's really from the tape, but it's just the, the reaction from our team. When we went down and we scored to go to a six-point game, it was like, the oh, here we go. Like, this, this is it. Like, you know, defense is going to get a stop, and this is it. And I think we've become accustomed and too comfortable in living in that world for really for the last couple years, right? Where offensively, it's like, okay, we can sputter around a little bit. Defense will keep us in the game. We'll get going in the end. We'll get a big stop on defense. We'll win the game. And we've got to learn to capture momentum when you have that opportunity to. You know, Caleb Anderson's pick six was a perfect opportunity for us to cash in right we had a couple turnovers we only scored off of one of them those are all opportunities that well off of one of two right Caleb scored his own but those are opportunities to seize momentum and as an offensive unit you've got to see that and you've got to capture that so the good is the way that our kids you know they they believe in each other and they believe we're going to find a way to win and and they should because they've done it quite a bit in the past so now you know the loss and the win streak slowly getting behind you. Now you turn your attention to the Warhawks of ULM, a team that you have found success against winning the last four matchups, one of them being a 70-20 to 20 blowout in 2020. My, Michael Desermo put it plain and simple in the press conference, the Cajuns will respond, and they're going to start next week. The only thing I know how to do is when it doesn't go your way, you go back and you just work hard. You know, uh, We talked about it as a staff, and you know when things don't go your way, 
you got you know you got two options right you can either hit the panic button and you can scrap all the things you've done or you can double down on what you believe in and you can go back to work and work better and work harder at it and that's what we're going to do you know contrary to popular belief you know which by popular i mean the people that you know watch the game casually we had a lot of shots that were dialed up uh we just didn't get you know, didn't get the ball to him in some of those instances. So, you know, we felt like we had some shots to capitalize on, and we just came up a little short in some of those spots for a variety of reasons. So we're going to work really hard to have another good game plan together and, and have our kids in position to go out there and go play well. But ultimately, it's always on me, okay? When you're the head coach, um, it's your job to have your team ready to play. And, you know, I'm never going to stand up here and throw any of our players under the bus because – that is not – I've had coaches that have protected me for a long time, um, and it made a difference. So, you know, I can handle all those things. I believe in what we do. I believe in the way that we do it. I know that it works. I know we have what we need. So we're just going to go back to it. We're going to double down, and we're going to do the things we believe in. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets. Lasso a family four-pack of tickets – to the Sunday, October 2nd show by simply texting the word RODEO to 337-283-8100, R-O-D-E-O to 337-283-8100 for a family four-pack of tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a time out, wrap up hour number one after this, right here on the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to face your worst nightmares, and that includes you, Miguez, with the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have your VIP tickets for Legendary Haunted House Attraction. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today with a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Now, Matt, why are you so scared? I'm not. I just don't like haunted houses. What about scary movies? No. What's the scariest movie you've ever watched? I mean, I've seen a couple of them. I've seen The Saws. I've seen The Conjuring. I just don't like them. Anything anything that is going to make my blood pressure higher than it is, (laughs) I don't need. Anything that's going to give you goosebumps? I don't need. Anything that is going to make me look over my shoulder or wake up in the middle of the night because of a bad dream? Nope, not doing it. Don't need it. Here's the thing with scary movies nowadays to me. The only reason you jump and scare is because they throw the loud noises at you. Or they'd have to do the cheap jump scare where it's like, you know it's about to happen. Still don't need it. I I think it's a little cheap. I don't think it's as scary. The only reason you ever jump is because it's just a boom, loud noise. And just obviously for me, I have a little more sensitive ears, so that that does freak me out a little more. But I don't think it bothers me as as much as it used to. My my friends had me go enough to of them. That's like when I was. I got used to it. That's like when I was on the field for the season opener for the Cajuns. So the Cajuns used to fire off a cannon at Cajun Field for when they scored a touchdown. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. Yeah, they hinted 
at bringing it back or, or something similar to it. And and you were like, uh, no. Uh, well, I, I didn't. So I, I'm standing there on the field waiting for the team to come out, and they're doing the national anthem. And they have the fireworks stand set up for the team to run out, blah, blah, blah. So I'm standing there not expecting anything to happen. And when you get to the Rockets' red glare part, boom, boom. Dude, I think I came off the ground. I jumped so <laughs> high. And the, the marketing director, Faith Boudreaux, she comes up behind me. She said, it was fun to watch you jump. Oh. <laughs> I said, that's rude. I said, that's so rude. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared easily. Very easily. And I, I don't enjoy it. That is not a trait of mine that, that I particularly care for. Uh, so, no, scary movies, haunted houses, not, not, not going to happen. That's, it's funny. The, where I'm moving next week is like three minutes from Fright Trail. And so my wife was like, Fright Trail, oh. Fright Trail efforts like just so vanilla compared to 13th Gate, though. My, so I don't, I don't think you would have to worry about that. My wife was like, oh, we could go to Fright Trail. I was like, no, <laughs> not happening. Nope. You can go. I'll stay home. Not happening. I, I, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but a few years back, this is, this is the same friend group that had me watch a bunch of scary movies with them. Like when we would go to theaters, we would go watch it. And I had told them, I don't want to go to 13th Gate. So they're like, all right, fine. We're going to go to Fry Trail. That, that one that one will be more your uh, your speed. So I'm like, fine, whatever. So obviously they're not going to let me drive. And we're, we're on the highway. And uh, obviously at a certain point, I'm like, okay. Yeah, we're not going to Fright Trail. This is it's been forty minutes. They brought you to Thirteenth Gate. Yeah, my my friend was like, "Hey James, what does it say on my phone screen?" I, I'm I'm driving. I can't look at it. And it was it was just Thirteenth Gate. I'm like, "Oh, so funny." Yeah, I could kind of tell after forty minutes of us not getting there and us being on the highway. Genius. That's funny. So yeah, I had uh, I had to go through Thirteenth Gate even though I didn't want to. So checking up on the poll question. Who has a better root beer? So far, 44% say A&W. We've gotten a couple more IBCs. we got a couple more IBCs. Tan even came in with a Bucky's. Bucky's root beer. Bucky's does make their own root beer. Bucky's makes their own everything. Uh, that, have you ever been to Bucky's? I have not, but I've seen inside Ooh. the stores. <laughs> Are we even sure it's, <laughs> it's an experience for oh, sure? Oh, it's, it's I, I spend an hour in there every time I pass one. And I, I don't buy anything other than snacks. But I always spend 30, 40 minutes in there every time. But by the way, when the whenever you go... Swamp pop. The chopped <laughs> brisket sandwich. Uh-huh. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Sucker's $8, but it is worth every freaking penny. Oh, man. I love me some Buckies. How many times is Hannah gonna tell us about fizzies? This is her second time now. I don't even know what a fizzy is. I don't even know what that means. But have you looked at the total votes just on Twitter? On Twitter, there are twenty-five total votes. Yeah, but A and W is leading. Yes, I know. I I, I said <laughs> there was a there was a late surge. I said that forty-four. Forty-four percent for A and W, forty percent for Barks, and then sixteen percent for other. 
the A and W people are they're well, when, rise, you they're, in, when you count when you count Facebook. Oh yeah, when you're counting Facebook, there are quite Barks Barks is leading. They 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 have a few votes ahead, no doubt. Barks is leading, and it's not close. So that's our number one. In our number two, we're gonna talk the New Mexico Lobos with JJ Buck. We will talk the New Orleans Saints with our guy Brendan Ertle. And then at 520, the Meshinator wants to talk some fantasy football. So we'll get that done as well. And of course, your calls on the hotline, 706-0111. We'll do that right after this top of the hour sports update right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Don't go anywhere. More crunch time after this. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two. It's 502 on September the 2 T first. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. LSU coming off that big win over Mississippi State. They now shift their focus to the Lobos of New Mexico. Joining us from 95.9, the sports animal in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our guy, J.J. Buck. J.J., thanks so much for coming back, man. How are you? Uh, Matt, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So looking at the Lobos, you know, two and one start to the season. Had a good game against UTEP. Good game against Maine. Hung in with some good competition in Boise State. Give me your thoughts on the two and one season so far. Well, for the Lobos, for the first time in a long time, they are doing what's expected, and that was beating Maine, beating UTEP, competing with Boise State. You know, that was a really good game. Into the second half, there was a blocked punt um, in the end zone that Boise State got returned for a touchdown, and that really shifted the momentum. But to this point, for the first time in a while, this program is beating the teams they should, blowing the doors off an FCS opponent in Maine, and they've played some 10-point, you know, 14-point games in the past against FCS teams. And it's you know feeling really good in the right direction because they wanted to be 2-1 and one going to this game because they knew the task ahead of them at LSU. They've shown a ton of progress defensively. Still a lot of questions on the offense. Starting at the quarterback position, Miles Kendrick has been he's been decent through the first three games. A little bit of a turnover problem, three touchdowns, three interceptions. How do you grade the quarterback play? Well, with the Lobos, they want to run the football and give you some triple option looks out of the shotgun, so they're not doing a lot of stuff where they're pushing the football downfield. It's more of a shot-based passing game. And the challenge for Miles Kendrick, and the reason he won the job, he came on late the final two weeks of – camp is because he is the experienced veteran. While he might not have had a ton of Division One starts, you know, he spent that time at Kansas in the program, and that was a the difference. They wanted someone to manage this offense because right now they only have one true receiver. That's Jordan Porter on the outside. They don't have guys that are winning one-on-one, so they're really just asking Miles Kendrick to understand the situation. Don't throw too many bad passes. If you have to you know, just take a sack or if it's not there in the option, just put it down to get a couple yards and punt. That's kind of where they're at right now. So, Miles Kendrick, his stats won't jump off the page, too, because they, they don't ask him to do that in this offense. They want to run the football. 
They want to try to give you some option looks, but they still do need to find something on, on the perimeter. And it's wide open right now. Outside of Jordan Porter, someone needs to step up because they're not winning one-on-one matchups. Looking at the running game, you talked about the option offense. Sherrod White, uh, 100 yards on the season so far on 23 carries. Nathaniel Jones getting some good touches as well. How do you grade that running back room through three games? Well, Sherrod White brings in the explosiveness. Um, he has the ability uh, to break some really big plays. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield, and that's something that can be really big in this offense as we haven't seen it in a while um, is having playmakers that can – catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think Sherrod White, the junior junior college transfers, is going to continue to have a really prominent role on this team. For Nate Jones, he really came out against UTEP. He struggled against Boise State. That Boise State defensive line is probably the best defensive line in the Mountain West, and they really shut him down. Uh, but against UTEP, you saw the explosiveness. You saw the power. And Nate Jones is a kid that, out of California, he got lost in the number shuffle. He was on his way to USC. Um, they had some changes. Things didn't go his way. Um, and through you know channels, he, he had a connection with Rocky Long, wound up at New Mexico. So they know he's a true number one back. And they mix him with Sherrod White. And then this kid, Christian Washington, he's a freshman. He had a 100-yard kickoff return against Boise State. They're mixing him in there. They like what they have out of those guys moving forward, You know, probably after the LSU game. Gordon Porter, you know, solid start to the season as a wideout. I know you said that they don't throw the ball too much, you know, more more shot based, but nine catches, 140 yards, and two touchdowns already. Pretty pretty impressive start. Yeah, he's, he's transferred from Arizona State, so he came in this season and he was the unquestioned number one wide receiver on this team. And I think for him, um, he still needs to put in some work, even in the route tree, um, creating separation because they're few and far between. You have to do a lot of blocking in this offense on the perimeter, but the opportunity is going to come because Danny Gonzalez still wants this offense to take those shots, you know, some 50-50 balls, maybe get some pass interference calls down the field. Uh, but he's someone that the rest of the season, he'll have his opportunities because he is the most polished wide receiver on this team. He's the most experienced receiver. And if he want to get some catches, you know, if he can get a few against LSU, against that defense, I think that will really get his confidence going the rest of the season. Chat with J.J. Buck of 95.9, the sports animal. Looking at the offensive numbers, they're averaging just under 28 points per game. You know, where could, from from your perspective, where could this team get a little bit more production? I think it's just, it's definitely in the red zone, um, finishing drives. The numbers aren't bad when they've got touchdowns versus trips to the red zone. But with, with the way they run the football, you want to probably see a few more explosive plays um, out of the option game or you know, make a play downfield because what they're trying to do is draw you up to the line of scrimmage, get some one-on-one matchups on the outside, and those really haven't developed in the kicking game. Um, they left some points on the field. They've been kind of going back and forth between two field goal kickers. Um, Luke Dreswicki came out, missed two kicks against Boise State, so they went to George Steinkamp. He hit the 51-yard field goal right before halftime, excuse me, against UTEP. Um, so they're still struggling at finishing some drives, and for them it's just they need – a couple of these runs to really pop to start opening up this offense. The defense has been solid. You talked about the big win over UTEP. They forced seven turnovers in that game. What do you think that they bring to the table that can maybe rattle an LSU offense? The skies. Um, that is one of the biggest things with a rocky long defense. And now Danny Gonzalez taking his experience um, when he was with Rocky Long to his time away when he was at Arizona State. And they're putting that together. And they have players that are playing fast, 
they're not thinking and they're tricking quarterbacks. It's a big thing about the three three five defense. They want to disguise where the pressure is coming from and who is dropping into coverage. And you look at UTEP and you know, they're not the most spectacular opponent, but they played Oklahoma and didn't turn the football over. Um, their their quarterback went 152 pass attempts to start the season without throwing an interception. And the Lobos got him four times on Saturday. So they're really confident in this defense. That's where their best players are overall is in that secondary. Um, they have some guys that are really stepping up that are going to get a lot of opportunities, I'm sure, this weekend. But you just see it. There, there's talent. They understand the scheme being in it third season. They're playing fast, and they're playing the way that people are used to around here with this Rocky Long defense. That's causing havoc. And then, you know, Jaden Daniels, um, Danny Gonzalez was the defensive coordinator at Arizona State. He had two years crossing over with Daniels, so he knows what that kid can bring to the table. You talked about the, the skies of the defense. Talk about, you know, other positives that you see in the matchup with the Tigers that, that could maybe benefit New Mexico. I think for the Lobos, if, if they could just get off the field a couple of times, um, force some punts from the Tigers, really show that you know, this defense can be something more than just something that's really good in the Mountain West. I think it has the potential to be a top two or three defense in the Mountain West Conference. That will be big for the fan base because everyone understands you know, what this game is all about. LSU is giving the Lobos a nice paycheck. It's an opportunity. The players are going to be ready, but you look at the spread, you understand it's one of those non-conference games that's going to your athletic department budget. I think really if they can show that this defense could you know, fluster LSU, could make some of these big-time athletes with game-breaking speed, get them off the field a couple times, maybe trick Daniels into an interception or two. Um, just give them a lot of confidence, and especially just show this Lobo fan base that you know this defense can be something that could really make this season special for them in the Mountain West. And then on the opposite side of that, what kind of mismatches and negatives do you see out of this matchup? I think it's just talent, and it, it's a speed. You just don't see speed like this you know, throughout the Mountain West Conference. And there's always... You know, a few guys on all these rosters that can play anywhere in the country. Um, but when it's your starters are coming out and then maybe the guy that's coming in to sub him is still as fast as some of your starters, you know, that's really the big difference. And definitely in the trenches. The, the one thing with the Lobos, they're smaller on the defensive line because they're more about speed from their defensive linemen. So just the sheer size of that LSU offensive line. When you have two freshman tackles that can come in, as LSU did on Saturday against Mississippi State and played that well, um, that's where you're going to see the biggest disparity usually between these group of five teams and the power conference teams is in the trenches and just the depth overall. Because Rocky Long, when he was the head coach here prior, he said, man, when I get my program to where it was when they're competing for Mountain West Conference titles, going to some bowl games, he's like, I feel confident of taking my 22 guys, 11 starters in offense and defense, anywhere in the country. It's just after that, you know, that's when you really start to see the difference in talent. J.J. Buck of 95.9, the sports animal in Albuquerque. J.J., really appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. And there he goes, J.J. Buck. The Tigers will host the Lobos of New Mexico 6.30 with a pregame at 4.30, and you can hear it all right here on the game. All right, James, we, we talked about it a little bit off the air the Las Vegas Aces won the 2022 WNBA championship. And it's the first major pro sports championship for the city of Las Vegas. Now, I know the WNBA isn't very popular. Not really a moneymaker. But listen to how crazy 
their championship parade was. So the original plan was to only close one half of the Las Vegas Strip. They were only going to close it one way. The crowd that showed up became so big that Las Vegas police had no choice but to shut the strip down. (laughs) The whole strip. The whole strip. That's insane. They they literally shut down the lo- one of the busiest streets in the world for a championship parade. Could you imagine if the Raiders won a Super Bowl? What that parade or, would look like? Or if the Las Vegas Knights won. Or if the Knights won a Stanley Cup. Or if there was an NBA franchise in Vegas. Or maybe go get an MLB team. Or an MLB team. Maybe get an expansion. So he, we, we, we kind of came up with something. Give me your best Las Vegas NBA mascot. My initial one, it was generic. I had just said gamblers, but I like the high rollers. Yeah, that's solid. I like that one. That's solid. You initially so, said it was too long. It's a little but it's long. Like, but there are, there are a bunch of teams with really long names. Buccaneers. It's three syllables. Yeah, but you shorten it to the Bucks. You can't shorten high rollers. The rollers. You just go with rollers. I guess. I guess. That's fair. Um, the Blackjacks. That's not bad. The Blackjacks. Um, oh, sh- what if you went with Sharks for Card Sharks? Ooh. <laughs> that one was off the top, too. I like that. The Sharks. What about the Jokers? And you, and like you, what you have is your logo be like a face card, but it's just a shark. I, I I like you thinking that that one, ooh I like you thinking. Talk uh, to me, Vegas. Jokers is a good one. Jokers, yeah. Um, you know how sometimes you have like a a team name where it's like a singular noun instead of plural, like the Thunder. Right. The somebody said since Las Vegas is a sin city, it'd be the Las Vegas sin. Eh, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Give it like a five out of ten. Yeah, it, it's okay. Um, not not my favorite. Chico Rodriguez says the Vegas hangovers. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's that's accurate. That's fair. But uh that we we could go on and on for that for forever. But uh just the fact that the debtors the debtors, yeah. The the ATMs, <laughs> the slot um, machines. Just just the fact that they shut down the entire strip for their championship parade. You need more sports teams in Vegas. Vegas needs to be a sports town. That would be awesome. You need to have a sports book in your stadium. Yeah. You know who has that? My favorite NHL team, the Washington Capitals. They have a sports book in their stadium? They have a, they have a, they have a Caesar sports book in their arena. Oh, nice. Yeah. Caesar sports book is like one of their top sponsors. So they have a sports book in the arena. That's fair. Um, Question is. I went in the I went in the stadium. I didn't see anything for the Superdome. There's a the Caesar Superdome. I don't, I don't think they have anything. That's what I'm saying. They might need to look into that. Though. that that's what I'm saying. That better be part of the renovations. Maybe. It, I, I mean, it, it definitely should be. You're the Caesar Superdome with Caesar Sportsbook. Why don't you have a sportsbook in the dome? It's fair. It's fair. And we're in Louisiana. Come on. We, we, we do like to waste our money. That's what I'm saying. We got a lot of gamblers in the state. We do like to waste That's our money. That's a big money maker if you do that. 
The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes, however, is by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. We'll take a time out, and when we return, James Mesh wants to tell you what not to do in fantasy football. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So James Mesh, we like to call him a fantasy guru. He knows a thing or two. Here's the problem. I don't know enough. He's second in the league in scoring. By uh, I'm only down by .76. And he's 0-2. <sighs> so here's what we're going to do. I'm in a toxic relationship with just the game itself. So here's what we're going to do. James Mesh, since you're a loser, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and tell the folks... What not to do in fantasy football? Start my players. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was good. Yeah. That was well done. Um, My team isn't. <laughs> Hit it. Hit what? Hit the sound. Oh. Doesn't want to work. Oh, we love technology. Yeah, I don't know what's Okay, about. anyways. So Oh. What, I, what's, I know what happened. What's going what's going on with your team? What what's happening? I don't know, because it also doesn't help that Joe Burrow hasn't been playing like himself. It also doesn't help that his offensive line is projected to give up a hundred and seventy million sacks by the end of the year. But he's still putting up decent numbers. But the thing with A.J. Dillon, I thought they were just going to run it 45 times a game and just have Rodgers throw it 20. I I thought that was maybe going to be their game plan. But hearing Aaron Rodgers talk on the Pat McAfee show earlier, because they they do Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays, it's... It, it, their plan is to do about 15 touches for each, but it kind of just depends on the flow of the game. It's like, look, if Aaron, like he did last Sunday night, just is on fire and he's scoring three touchdowns, you're just going to go with him. But then if it's like, okay, well, AJ's the hot hand, then they're going to go with him. So it's it's a hot and cold type of thing with AJ Dillon, and I, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I thought it would have been more balanced. I thought when it came down to it, I thought you would see them roughly just have the same amount of touches, but it, it's fair that whoever's whoever's doing good that night and gives you the best chance, just go with it. 
It's gonna. It's probably gonna even out to where it is pretty close to the end of the year. But the fact that AJ scored seven, not even a full eight points, compared to Aaron's what thirty, right? <laughs> it was just tough. And then Justin Jefferson, you had Slay just absolutely slay him to death. Just they only gave up. He only got eleven, not even eleven fantasy points, but. When it, it's not like it even mattered because the Vikings themselves just couldn't do anything against the Eagles. It was a, it was a total shutdown. So in our crunch time league, there are 14 people in the league. There are. James is currently fifth. And that's because that that's because of my that's because of my week one performance. Well, that's fine because I, you got to go all the way down to 11. To find to catch me, your boy. Yeah, and you know who I'm not happy about being in this league, and I wish he'd leave. <laughs> and I'm I don't mean that whatsoever. I lo- I love this guy. It, it's Chico. Chico's killing you, dude. He's two and zero. He's third in the league. He owned me this week. I can't lie. <laughs> that triple charger, triple threat is something else. He absolutely owned me this week. And Keenan Allen didn't even play. He was out. Amonra St. Brown was Jesus Christ reincarnated over the weekend. Same thing with Herbert. Herbert Herbert had a hell of a game, too. Because he scored 26. And then there was somebody else that popped off for him. Was it? Was it Allen Robinson, maybe? Regardless, he beat me by, like, 40. I don't think it was that bad, but you get my my point. Um, So, yeah, now he's 2-0. I'm 0-2, and I need to beat somebody. He had Eckler who had a solid 18. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, Robinson had 15. Modest stuff. DJ Chark. DJ Chark had zero, but he's he still crushed you. It doesn't help that. Right, right. He left a guy in his lineup that had zero, and I still lost. That's terrible. That is just salt in the wound, my man. I had to go pick up Jimmy Garoppolo as much as I ha- hated to do it. I had to go pick up Jimmy in one of the leagues. Ugh. It was oh. funny because I didn't know no one else bid for him. <laughs> I just spent twenty five fab on him for for no reason. I could have just done zero because there were no other claims. I lost to Monty in week one. I lost to Chico in week two. I think I I think I dusted Dusty. And now I'm playing whoever in, in Dash twenty eleven is. Whoever Cajun Hawk is, they just crushed me. Yeah, they're they got a pretty good team. I mean Stafford, Chubb, Barkley, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Irv Smith, Antonio Gibson, Tampa Bay's defense. Tampa Bay's defense had 30 points against the Saints. And then what's crazy is his backup quarterback is Tua, who played the game of his life on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he left him on the bench. I think I got mercyed out of that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's th- this this league is so intriguing because there's so many there's so many good matchups. Cajun Hawk, he he might be a problem. I've got I've got Lemonier next week. 
I got I got good old Jacob next week, so we'll see how that I goes. I got Tad. Oh, this is gonna be fun. You sh- you got Tad this week? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got Tad. I've got whoever Dash twenty eleven is. I don't I don't know who that is, but I'm projected to win. So let's go. I'm down with that because I need a win so badly, so so badly. But anyways, let's take a timeout right here. When we return, we're going to do Who Dat Wednesday with our guy, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? Not too much. Man, we got to talk about Mike Evans to start off. That suspension should have been about two or three games at the least. Come on. I mean, I was surprised that he even appealed. I'm not even sure what there was to appeal. Uh, he had the same guy judging the, the fence. And I think, you know, when you do something and you get punished for it, it's because they want you to learn your lesson. And I think he obviously didn't learn his lesson because it's almost a copy and paste of what happened last time. So I just think the dude's just a guy like that. I mean, if, if I'm going to get in a confrontation with someone, like Lattimore, how's Brady? I'm going to talk to him in his face, and that's just how I go with things. You know, if you want to, do, if you want to do business, talk to my face. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, Mike. Mike knows at this point that he he can't get open against Marshawn. The only success he has is if they do rub routes, and he has like Justin Evans or one of the other corners like Bradley Roby on him. So uh, I think he just they all probably had like a discussion like, hey, if let let's try to provoke him and let I'll, I'll take the fall and take the sacrifice because if we can get Marshawn out we got a better chance of winning I, I think if they go back in time and they have this situation I think they do it again because I think when you take Marshawn off the field they have the better matchups and they took advantage of that so I think yeah I think it worked out in their in their favor for sure oh yeah look we got to talk about Adam Trauma man <laughs> two <laughs> two games in I I am one of those Adam Trotman stands, but the man hasn't caught a pass yet. Is it time to give up on him as a passing threat and just believe that he's kind of like one of those Jason Wittens, but worse that can that's just pretty much only good at blocking? Uh, when you said that name, it, it was like the first time I've heard that name this season. Like I haven't even seen a tweet about this guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not, I I think that's. I mean, you obviously want to see production from him in year two. I think when he has been in, it's been solid blocking, so that's a good thing that he's not doing anything bad or getting any kind of penalties. But I think that's more so a salute on Juwan Johnson and what he's done. I've been shocked on what Juwan Johnson's been able to do. I think he's kind of emerging as that receiving tight end that we kind of thought he could be. He just needed the opportunity. And, I mean, I wouldn't say it's time to panic yet. I'm traveling because there really hasn't been – much opportunity for anyone, honestly, besides those three wide receivers uh, in one and a half quarters of football. So once we see more of a opponent offensive offense that is good for four quarters and not half a quarter, I think, yeah, I'd be a little bit worried. But, you know, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities to go around. And I think that at this given point, he's doing what he's 
supposed to be doing. I don't think they expect him to, to make any kind of catches in, in the games that they've been in. So, yeah, I would, I would hope to see a little bit more, but I don't think it's time to panic yet. Brendan, what's going on, bud? Before we get before I, I ask this question, James, quick question for you. Why did you reference Adam Troutman as Jason Witten? Because uh, that was the first like <laughs> main blocking tight end I could think of, but I was like, and he's a solid we- receiving threat, but... Okay, well, hold on. He's more known we're, as a... We're calling him a main blocking tight end throughout his career, which was 17 I know, years, I know. Over, over his career, he's had a lot of catches. I know, but... Do you recognize him more of as, as a receiver? Or yes! As, I recognize him as more of a blocking. He averaged five <laughs> catches a game for 13,046 yards and 74 touchdowns in his career. That's in, that's Hall of Fame numbers. I know. I'm just saying. He's a really good blocker, and when I think of blocking tight ends, he's one of the first names that I think of. Oh, buddy. When I think of receiving tight ends, I'm thinking more of like Tony Gonzalez. I think that you you could say you hope that he becomes Jason Witten. It just it just in the fact that he can block really well and have some kind of receiving threat because he did do that in college. So, uh, I mean that that's a good goal to set. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. All right. Let's staying somewhat close to the off- to the tight ends. Let's go look at the offensive line. Uh, what was your analysis of the O line? I, I thought they were terrible. Um. I mean, I won't be the first one to admit that I don't think they've been particularly good. But I don't think that they've been as bad as people say. Uh, that's what I'll say. When you have Jameis Winston and you have Tom Brady, uh, people will say, you know, our defense line isn't getting kind of, any kind of pressure. He's not. They're not forcing him to make throws he doesn't want to make. But that's why Tom Brady is the GOAT for some people. He gets the ball out extremely fast, and when there's pressure – uh, you go back and watch, he, he did throw balls he didn't want to throw. You know, there was a, a time when he threw it in the middle of the field and there wasn't a single person in the area code of that ball. And that was like, yeah, Davenport's coming. I'm just going to let this one go and move on. But the thing about the Bucks in this game was that they, on third down, we had them in a lot of third and longs. They had the confidence to, and not be, when I say that, I mean Brady had the confidence to, let me just throw this screen, let me throw this check down, let me throw this, at the feet of someone, and let me just go punt the ball to the Saints because I know they're not going to move the ball. And that was because I think we held on the ball too long, and I don't think that the blocking was particularly good. I wouldn't say, you know, James is the issue, but in a game like this, that ball has to come out fast. And if you're going to target a receiver 13 times in this game, it is not Chris Olave. I mean, maybe some games that, that'll be there, but in a game like this, Mike Thomas needs to be the one with 13 targets and not Olave because, like I said, that ball is going to come out quick. This is a really, really good defense. It's an even better pass rushing team, and we've seen it for, what, three years now that they've been among the lead against the quarterback, and I don't think that's the right recipe of success when you're trying to throw deep balls to Chris Olave. Yeah, they were there uh, with, with better throws. Olave has 250 yards and three touchdowns. But that's just a low percentage throw, and I think there were some throws where you have Mike Thomas cross the middle for six yards. It's not, it's not the pretty play, but it's the play that Drew Brees would make, and I think moving forward, that's what you got to do. And I, I think the offense does need to be better, but I think we have seen some glimpses of positive things from some of them. 
Brennan Earl of Canal Street Chronicles here for Who Dat Wednesday. Brennan, with the, looking at this next game, this feels like it should be a pick-me-up game since the Panthers are 0-2, but they, they've had some close games, and not to mention Jameis, not the best history against Carolina. And that's where it is. We, I was looking at last year, and we had that great Week 1 performance, and then Week 2 we flopped. Uh, you could point at the injuries being a concern and a reason why that happened, but yeah, I don't know why Jameis just doesn't have great success against the Panthers. I think it's more so because, uh, I mean, the decision making last week wasn't wasn't great. It, I don't think it was necessarily horrible. I mean, the picks he did have were more of the throws were there. He's got to make a better ball. So I think you know, last year when he did have some failures against the Panthers, it was with inaccurate balls, bad decisions, holding on the ball too long, trying to do too much. And we saw some of that last week as well. So uh, this is a game where, yeah, the Panthers are 0-2, but they've lost to the Giants and Browns, who I don't think will really become anything. I mean, the Browns can become something with, with Deshaun Watson later on in the year. But right now they're just, you know, just one of those average football teams that can win well on the road because they have a good defense and a good running game. But, yeah, they lost both those games pretty close. I think the first one was two points, and I think they should have won that game. I think there was a, a roughing the pass, so that should have been – not called, and that Giants game could have went either way. I think CMC had a great game. So, yeah, it's definitely not going to be a, a game where we blow anyone out. I think I think that we absolutely need to find some kind of rhythm on offense. We can't go out and score three points or ten points in the first half. This needs to be a game where we start to see what rhythm Jameis has with this receiving group. And if he's not healthy to go, then don't go. I mean, I, I Jameis is one of those guys where I think – you know, there's a handful of guys in the NFL that will die on the football field, and Jameis is one of those guys that will put his life on the football field. But I think there's a point where, you know, if you can't go, if you're hurting your team by playing, you've got to take a seat. And I think, I mean, only only Jameis will know that that answer. So uh, he's got that back injury and the ankle injury popped up in the injury report today. So, I mean, it'd be great to see him out there. It'd be great to see him have some kind of rhythm in, uh, with this uh, with this offense, I think this is the game. Yeah, you know, like I said, that you need to find some kind of rhythm on offense. You can't keep doing what you're doing. To piggyback off of that, how concerned are you with Jameis's injury? You talked about the back; the ankle is now on the injury report. I mean, when, how concerned are you with all of that? I mean, I, I I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. I think I am concerned. It's it's something that wasn't a huge issue in week one. Later on, when he did get hurt, uh, it seemed like he could play through it. There was pain, but, you know, there's pain everywhere, like he said. But he fought through it. He still made the throws he had to make. So he can play with that injury. It's, it's painful. He's got to just shoot up the back and, and hope it hope it doesn't get any worse. And I don't think it, it really can. But uh, we we saw in this game against the Bucks that something wasn't right with him, something Mentally, something physically wasn't right. The decisions were were late. They were rushed, and he was trying to do too much. And I, I, I like I said last week, I hope the the problem was with his injury. And uh, like I said earlier, you got to know your limits. And if you're hitting your limit, you still have a great backup in Andy Dalton. Take a week, like Kamara did. You need to take a week. Take a week. If that means we get you longer and better then do it. So I think that we'll see Jameis playing. I think he's just one of those guys that will fight through an injury like that. Uh, the severity of it, I don't know. But 
this is it's it is concerning. Yes. Of the nine players on the Saints injury report, compared to the Panthers two, who only who one of them is Christian McCaffrey, who just rested. Seven of them are on offense. Do you see that as a sign that the offense can continue to struggle because not only do they have not a lot of chemistry, but everyone's injured and and limited? Yeah, uh, I mean, when, when you're limited, you, you still have some kind of play in practice. I mean, they still do team and stuff like that. And just I'll probably wear a, a different color jersey if, if it's bad enough. Um but I feel like it's it's more so because the reps that they're getting in the game are 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 extremely limited. And when when they are playing together, uh, like that Bucks game early in the Bucks game, it was really just let's get to the other side of the fifty and then let's see what what we can do. But it was more like three plays and then they're gone. And so it was it was frustrating to see that. And I think this is a team that can definitely get in rhythm quickly. I and mean, we've, we've seen that except against the Falcons. They got into rhythm very, very, very fast. So it just needs to happen. I don't, I don't, I mean, you could point at a bunch of different things. A lot of people have came at Pete Carmichael and I think that he does need to do a better job of forcing Jameis to get into a rhythm better. But I think there has been throws early in the game where you make that throw, you throw to Michael Thomas, you gain five yards and you, you, you're in second, you're in, Second and five instead of second and ten. I think that's just one of the things he's got to do. You got to suck it up. It's not the flashy play. It's not the fun play. And you know the Bucks defense clowned him on it. They said they knew when the second Tom Brady scored that James was going to start taking shots, and that's something he can absolutely cannot do moving forward. Is take those shot those fifty fifty shots when you have a eighty twenty shot with Michael Thomas. So yeah, it definitely could be because you know Michael Thomas missed a majority of training camp. Jameis Winston missed the tail end of it. Uh, Jarvis and Olave were there for most of the time, and they got chemistry with Andy Dalton. I think that's why Andy Dalton probably looked so good in the preseason because he's been playing with these guys every single day. So, yeah, that that could be a concern where you know you're not getting the practice reps with these guys, and I think that's a good point. But we're just going to see some product on the field first, honestly. Brennan Earl of Canal Street Chronicles. A couple more for you, Brennan. Looking at Shad Tuttle, he's he's got the only recorded sack for the Saints, and it almost could have been a tackle for loss considered. What do you make of the lack of sack numbers? I know you had talked about earlier how Brady gets it out fast, and that's just been, been his whole MO, but even in Atlanta, they were struggling. Mm-hmm. And they struggle against running quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, that, that it, I would be – Line again if I said I, I wasn't concerned, but I'm not overly concerned. It's not one of those things where, you know, it's just sacks come in bunches. And Cam Jordan started out slow last year. We've been healthy on the, off, on the defensive line for the most part, besides Malcolm Roach. I think he should be back uh, here pretty soon. I think maybe next week is a good, it's a good chance for him to be back. And I think he had a good training camp. But you look at the first two opponents, Marcus Mariota, running quarterback, where I mean, we, we talked about it forever. They weren't going to sack him five times. It wasn't going to happen unless they could catch him, and it's hard to do. So that was never going to happen. Yeah, you'd love to see more pressure on him in that game, but it is really, really hard. And uh, Cam Jordan talks about it in his, in his Trust Levels podcast how hard it is to rush a quarterback like that, where it's like you, you want to just pin years back and go, but right, right when you do that, it opens running lanes. So they're, they're taught almost to just half pass rush and just, you know, kind of bench press their way there and try and try and get some kind of pressure like that. But Mario's not going to sit back there for three seconds. 
and that's kind of the time you need to get to the quarterback. And you go back and watch every throw from Atlanta, and rarely he was sitting back there for three seconds. So not overly concerned about that. And not again, Brady's Brady. And I, I know you can go back and look at other matchups where we did sack him uh, numerous times, and I think that's because you know we had leads in that game. This was a game this week where, yeah, we had a three-point lead, but it really felt like it was tied because we couldn't move the ball. And like I said earlier, Brady was confident and just, let me just put it in the dirt and punch them because they're not going to move the ball either. So it was just a game of, honestly, just chess to see which offense was going to figure it out first. And, you know, they figured it out, and they figured it out fast. And um, I, I think next week we need some productivity for sure. Lastly, Brendan, is this a must-win game for the Saints on Sunday? Um, I don't think it's necessarily. Yes, it's a must win. I, I think you got to win this game. I think your schedule gets harder and harder. So at the back end of the schedule, uh, you got Cincinnati later who has kind of struggled. You got Minnesota who had their up and downs. Uh, Carolina's a team where you need to win. You need to win one of these. And if you can go two and zero, phenomenal. If you go one and one, that's good as well. So. A divisional opponent, you got to win this game, and you got to keep up with the NFC, and you got to keep up with the Bucks. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicle is joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Brendan, appreciate you each and every week, my guy, and we'll do it again. Let's do it. Let's do it. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, yeah. Attention sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, is back for their 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. Also, hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots and live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. And you need to know that you're going to get paid. You simply need a sports book that offers everything from live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. It's simple to join. All you got to do is call today at 1 800 79 BetUS. That's 1 800 BETUS. And they will walk you through setting up your account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. If you join now and mention KLWB, you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the games begin. James, you ever had a hamburger so good it makes you take your shoes off? That's what I'll, I knew I had forgot something that yeah, I wanted you to did. mention. Yep. I, I picked it up for you. You're welcome. Thank you. No, I haven't, but I know you did. We ate a James and I had a burger today, and uh, we're not we're not going to tell you where from because no, no free advertisements. But uh, I I literally took my shoes off. It was so good. I got comfortable. It was that kind of burger. It was. Oh. That and then se- the sauce that, was so that s- secret sauce was spicy. I was sweating. I was going to say it was it was so spicy for you. Your Lord. chest started hurting and. That heartburn was real, bro. Oh, man.
Anyways, I want to take this opportunity to thank J.J. Buck from 95.9 The Sports Animal for joining us, as well as Brendan Ertle from Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Tomorrow, we'll preview the ULM Warhawks, and we'll also talk some more New Orleans Saints on Crunch Time. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Stay classy, Acadiana. This is the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let's send it to Maplewood Burgers on Nelson Road for the McNeese Coaches Show. Here's Jim Gazzolo.